This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Good morning, everybody. I am Glenn Geek from Ocala, Florida, and it's Friday, the 21st of January, 2022. You're listening to Horses in the Morning, episode 2855 on the Horse Radio Network. I wanted to thank everybody in my absence. I've been out this week after some surgery, and I appreciate all of your kind words and your messages and your thoughts and prayers. Uh, thank you for that. I'm doing pretty well, and uh, hopefully we'll be back to normal next week. Can't lift anything for four weeks, which is kind of a bummer. Uh, means I can't clean the paddocks or stalls or anything. It's so sad. I just wanted to tell you how sad I am that I can't help with that part of the farm work. Uh, but I do feel for Jennifer and want to thank Jennifer for, for filling in on everything, show-wise and farm-wise, over the last week. Hopefully this surgery went a little better than <clears throat> excuse me, than the last couple. Still don't have my voice quite back yet. But uh, Jamie is off today. She's out skiing, and she'll be off today and Monday. Just worked out that way that I was off, and then she was off. And I want to thank Lisa and Wendy for filling in earlier in the week. Got a lot of good comments on those episodes, so apparently they did a good job. Today, we have the second part of Monty's interview for you. If you missed the first part, go back and listen to the episode for Friday, January 14th, last Friday. It'd be a good to hear, the, to hear that first. This is really a follow-up in the second part of that, because it was so long we broke it into two. So you're going to want to do that. I'll also give you a trigger warning, especially for the first part, and a little bit in this part, Monty talks about some tough times with abuse of people and horses and kids, so just be aware of that. Listen with awareness. I will be back here on Monday, hopefully a, a full round of shows for you next week, uh, and uh, we'll be getting kind of back to normal. Jamie will be back on Wednesday, and we'll have the whole gang back together again after a couple of weeks of, uh, of being apart. We're going to get started with a spot from our longest-running sponsor, Kentucky Performance Products. And then on to Jamie and Monty. She swallowed hard as they walked into the start box. She could feel his muscles tense under her leg. Five, four, three, two, one. Have a great ride. She didn't have to ask. He galloped out of the box and across the field toward their first training level course. His ears pricked. Her heart pounded. He attacked each obstacle with confidence, clearing them with room to spare. A huge smile broke out on her face as she crossed through the finish flags. She leaned forward and buried her face in his neck. Their bond of love and trust blocked out all else. This love story is brought to you by Elevate. Research proven to have superior bioavailability. Elevate supplies the essential vitamin E often missing from the equine diet. Its all-natural formula supports healthy muscle and nerve functions. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today. What would you consider in your life, this is a tough question because you have had a lot of accomplishments, what would you say is your biggest accomplishment? Well, you know... When you come right down to it, 
at 86 years of age, I have to say that the discovery of Pat and the putting together of a family with Pat um, is my number one achievement. There's no question about it. If you if you leave, limit it to horses, uh, then you've got a lot of ways to go. And um, certainly Pakistan Star comes to my mind because it was so rare and s- such a unique one. But Lomitas in Germany, Pakistan Star was in Hong Kong, Lomitas in Germany, Prince of Darkness in England, um, and many, many horses. But those, those ones were, I'm telling you, literal miracles to fix. They were so badly, they were going to kill somebody, and they were so badly uh, active in the negative way. And then the crazy part about Pakistan Star was that I only saw him in my life for two hours. Wow. Two hours. And what was he doing so wrong? Well, he would get a quarter of a mile from the finish line in a race and be leading the field of 12, 15 horses and stop. Just running racehorse, coming around, about to win the race, and he would just stop. Stop. Same place every time? Same place every time. Now, one of my favorite things that you've said about this horse, because I've never heard the end of the story, as I've told the story, and I steal this from you all the time, is I say, Ray Charles could have seen what what was wrong with this horse. <laughs> but what actually was wrong? Did I say Ray Charles, Debbie? Yes, you did. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, he would stop. <laughs> and the jockey would whip. And he wouldn't move. And the trainer left the area where he was standing because this had been a problem. And he beat the horse with an electrified whip. Electric whip. Oh, and the video cameras were running. He didn't think about that one. And he was banned from racing, this trainer, for some period of time. And the horse was scheduled to be put down. He won't pass this point in the race. And he stops. And the man has passed away now that owned him, called Mr. Din. And he was from Pakistan, and he named all of his horses Pakistan this and that. And he owned casinos on the island off Hong Kong. And he offered me, over the internet, $5,000 to just meet the horse on one morning and see if there was any crazy thing that I might see they could do to recover him because he paid 350000 for him. And he proved that he could run. He won a couple of races as a baby, and that's where the problem began. He won these races, and the whip began right where he learned to stop. Thigmotaxis. He went into the whip instead of away from the whip. And uh, so I went there to give a speech to the racing association. I was going there for that, and the owner said, hey, if he's coming here, I'll pay him $5,000 to just go 
see my horse train one morning and uh, see if there's any way we can save his life. And we'll tell the story. And I asked for videos. I was in Germany when I got the word. And uh, Joanna Lowe's was uh, my rider in Germany at that time. And she was also doing my emails. And so she told me about this. And I said, what? I don't know what to do with a horse that stops at the quarter pole. Who the heck ever saw this before, you know? And what am I going to do? And I feel guilty taking $5,000 for a two-hour morning and uh, calling it a job done. I don't feel right. She said, Monty, he's willing to pay you $5,000 to go out there in the morning for two hours, watch a session, sit down, tell them what you think, and you go home. Take the $5,000 with you <laughs> and go home. And I said, okay, but I swear to God, I, I sat on that airplane going to Hong Kong from Germany thinking, I'm, I'm feeling guilty. I, I don't know what to do. How, I never saw a horse do that. What horse is running with a field of horses and suddenly just stops? Impossible. So but I went there and the first introduction that I got was to the owner who handed me $5,000 in cash. Wow. U.S. dollars. And the second person I met with is the trainer, about four foot ten. And uh, is this the trainer who had the electricity, used the electricity or new? Yes, trainer? this is the same trainer. Okay. And they they said if he kept him in training and did any whipping on the track, that his license would be taken away from him. And he came to me and he punched me in the chest with his finger and said, I don't need any cowboy from California coming here to tell me what to do with this horse. I know what this horse needs. I said, okay, I, I was just paid by your owner uh, to come and, and see what's going on. And if I can think of something that might help, I will. I'm not against you. I'm for you. Well, I don't like it. I'm being second guessed here. And I said, okay. Then I made a super mistake. I watched him train for the morning. And I said, Ray Charles could see what's wrong here. And the guy went nuts. He really went nuts. Was he American? Did he know Ray Charles was a blind man? He knew Ray Charles <laughs> was blind. And that made him very, very angry. And um, the veterinarian in charge of the horse was a very learned man and... and um, he wanted to hear what I might have to say um, for his own good, you know. He was a nice man. So I had one, one person on my side there. And we went into a little breakfast room, and I sat down with a pencil on a tablet, and I drew what needed to be done. And uh, the little trainer said, the stewards will never let you do this anyway. So you can't do this. And... Uh, I know what the horse needs. What does he need? He needs to be shot. That's what he needs. He needs well, to be that's killed. That's helpful. Yeah. So, well, that's, that's what I faced anyway. So I said, if the stewards won't let you do this, I guess I should meet with the stewards and see if, they, if I can convince them that maybe they give this a try. And so I went over to the grandstand at Sha uh, Tin Racetrack, Hong Kong, and a man by the name of Kim Kelly sat down with me, and he was the head steward at Shaw Ten Racetrack. 
And um, I drew him the same little pattern that I drew on a tablet. And he said, we can do that. What? Yeah, we can do that. Oh, I've got a chance, you know. And all I wanted was a little gate put in the outside rail that was specifically for this horse. The rest of the horses didn't have to go through that gate. But like a, a starting stall or just like a just a regular eight foot no, gate? No, just a, a gate in the rail where he could walk out and go home. Oh. And the problem was they were training this horse away from home, away from home, away from home. And the only time that he trained back toward home was to go through the finish line. And that's where they whipped him to get the most out of him. From the quarter pole with 440 yards left to run, that's when the whips come out. And I said, the first thing we do is burn the whips. Take the whip off of him. And then make him a little gate. Because the regular training thing had him going backwards home. So when he got to the quarter pole, he knew that we can stop here and go backwards and go home. Or if they're going to race and I'm in a, a field of horses racing there, they whip me at that point. So I just stop and I show them and I stand there. It was so funny because I was staying in a hotel there to make my speech to the racing uh, club. And... Uh, a man was cleaning my room, and he could speak English, a Chinese man, but he could speak English. And he said, why did you come to Hong Kong? What are you, I, I guess he could see me dressed in such a way. And uh, what are you doing here? And I said, I came here to work with Pakistan Star. Pakistan Star? Yes, he's our hero. And everybody goes from Hong Kong to watch him when he's in the race. Because we all bet $2 and we saved the ticket. We bet on Pakistan Star. And he's beat the system. He won't finish the race. And he stands there. And then they take him home in a different direction. And I said, that's exactly why I'm here. To see if I can fix that. Now think about this. What are my chances? I got a trainer that doesn't believe I know anything. I'm a California cowboy. I got a jack jockey who uses a whip. Constantly, that's how they live. I got the training jockey who uses a whip and, and not training the way I'm going to say to train, but if he will train the way I say, maybe we've got a chance. The horse has already been disqualified from the track like four different times, and he would have to go through a whole other set of, of tests before they allow him to race because people could be killed with this kind of thing that he's doing. And then the public thinks he's a hero because he stops. Well, the, a certain amount of the public did. Others were ready to um, riot because they bet on him and he didn't win. Right. Um, so it was, it was a very funny thing and nobody wanted to talk about it. I mean, they didn't want to give me any credit because then everybody else is wrong and, this is the only guy in the world that's right. But I could see it. I swear, I could see it. And he was a wonderful horse, beautiful horse, moved like a Swiss clock. He was so fantastic. And he was out of shape because they had stopped training him 
after he was last disqualified for what was the last time and now going to be put down, euthanized, killed. Well, they did exactly what I was, t- uh, what I recommended. They did exactly what I recommended. And the stewards told the trainer he must do exactly what I recommended or they would take the horse away from him and put him with another trainer to do what I recommended. So the trainer reluctantly did exactly what I told him to do. And they trained the horse for three weeks before the next race was to be entered. And he passed his test in those three weeks. Now the trainer gets 10% of the winnings. I got my $5,000 and I'm home in California. And he begins to race. And he wins. And he wins. And he wins. Four and a half million U.S. dollars he wins. And the trainer gets $450,000 for his part in training him. And I'm still home with my (laughs) (laughs) $5,000. And I never saw the horse for more than two hours. Now, that has to be a miracle. I mean, those people are considered some of the best horsemen in the world, and they are. I'm not putting them down. They just had this wrong for this horse. So you put it where he would stop. There was a gate a little further, so you'd take him out the gate. The gate was all the way through the finish line. Oh, so he only got to leave once he crossed the finish line. Exactly. And when he got past the finish line, the gate was there and his house was directly through the gate onward. Otherwise, he had to go backwards around to get to his house. Uh, So he chose to stop and go backwards around rather than get whipped all the way for the last quarter of a mile. So just a couple times lead him on around and let him go shoot straight? Yeah, they they said, first of all, well, we can't do that because we have to keep the grass nice. It's all grass course there. And we can't train horses through there, so we stop them all and go back the other way. And I said, well, you keep doing that if you want to, but that's what's wrong with this horse. He's smarter than that. And he's figured out how to go backwards is to first stop and then go back the other way. And uh, they said, yes, but we can't tear up this turf. And I said, you have a little track at the outside of your racetrack that's about six feet wide. And it's where they lead all the horses to come to be saddled and stuff. And um, you can just ride him through that little dirt track at the outside of the track. No, we can't do that because it's only about six feet wide. And you can't gallop or run fast through there. I said, I'm not asking you to run fast through there. They just try it. Just go that direction. Let him trot through there. Let him walk through there. I don't care. But that's home. And every horse knows where home is. And he is a genius at knowing where home is. So he won four and a half million dollars, and he's now in retirement in Dubai. Oh my gosh! And uh, I, I mean, it—it it probably is the single most unique uh, transformation that I've done for any bad horse. And he was a good horse, but he told them what, how horses think more than any. He's a genius. He figured out how not to get whipped for the last quarter of a mile. I just had a pony come in for training, a uh, Gypsy. That's the smartest dang horse I have ever seen. She all of a sudden 
four years old. They've been riding around and all of a sudden she just decided, you can't make me go. And fortunately, the owner was smart enough to go, if I leave, if I find any, just any trainer, they're going to whip her. I want to find somebody who's not going to whip her. So they sent me this horse from Texas out of Oklahoma. And I, it may, I, I think all the time about this. I'm like, Ray Charles could see what was wrong with this horse because she was the master of just getting out of work. You know, they wanted her to trot. 10 20 meter circles well she didn't want to do 10 20 meter circles she did and then it got to where i don't want to trot because you're going to make me do to so we took it to where like we're just going to teach you to walk forward three steps and celebrate it and it was that same thing you have to some of these horses are so incredibly smart and and you have to be smarter than your horse to figure out how to do it and cause the horse like the theme of the day cause the horse to want yeah to do it and that pony went back walk trot cantering popped her over some cross rails and i'm super i'm really extra extra proud of that one because it was it was like thor the mustang you helped me with or like zeus too long they just come up with all these ways to not work they work harder on figuring out ways to not work than it would do to just work yeah exactly <laughs> So those are the horses that that built you, you know, and and create you. Um, There's a television show called Inside the Actor's Studio, and there was a man named James Lipton who would interview very famous actors and try to get them to answer kind of rapid-fire questions where there don't have to be a lot of answers. Some of the the answers require one word. And I wanted to take a piece, because I used to love his show, take a piece of that and bring it to you. I don't think anybody's ever done this. I know I certainly haven't done this with you before. So I'll, I'm going to give you 10 questions, and you just... Just give me a, just a, I mean, some may just require one word. Okay. Are you ready for these? I am. All right. What is your favorite word? Yeah. My favorite word is what I consider to be the best word in the English language, and it's compromise. Compromise. Think of what would happen in the United States right now if we could get our political leaders to sit down and see if they could recognize the promise of the other side and come to some sort of an agreement where certain things are okay for one side and the the, the compromise come to the middle. Everybody has a different angle on life. And if you get a bit of an angle on life your way, and I get a big bit of an angle on life my way, that's a compromise. And I have several ways of describing compromise to the corporate people that come here to the farm, because we live in this house. And when I built my cowboy saloon to the house, um, the fellow that I shook hands with and said, you can build it any way you want. I, he's a f- famous builder of tel- uh, movie cowboy saloons. Told me I needed a neon sign on the outside of my saloon. And I said, but I live in this house with Pat. And I don't <laughs> know that. And she squared up on me and said, there will be no neon sign on my house. 
And I walked around this farm thinking, how do you compromise this one? Neon sign? No neon sign. It's pretty blank and stark. What are you? So I asked Pat, you know, it's a Spanish-style house, and all the Spanish houses and houses in Italy and places, they all had horses in the early days when the style was this way. And you had a feed door at the end of the house and a little place for the carriage horses or for the cow for milk for the children. You had a feed door. Pat, could I just have a feed door there? It just slides open and just looks like a feed door. Yeah, that's fine. And then I waited two days and I said, Pat, could I just have a little neon sign? Just this size, just one meter long and a foot wide. And, and it would say, Marty's Saloon, uh, open. And I only put it out when we have an appropriate group here that would enjoy the Cowboy Saloon with the neon sign, because that's what they're supposed to have. And if you ever see it out, when it's embarrassing to you, you can take it to the dump and throw it away. <laughs> and I'll never say another word. I guess I could do that. So, I put the the feed door up there that you slide open, and it has a track in the bottom of it, and the neon sign is on a track, and you pull it out, and at the end of it, it lights itself up, and I have a neon sign. She loves it now, (laughs) and she wouldn't have it any other way now. And there's hardly any group of people that would be offended by the neon sign. So you can have a neon sign on your house without offending anybody if you have a cowboy saloon inside. And you compromised. And, and I compromised it. And I think in all forms of life, marriages, raising children, uh, businesses, corporations, the corporations have taken my neon sign all over the world as a good example of how the guy in the big office and the people on the line down there, assemblymen, they can come together and compromise things. What is your least favorite word? My least favorite word is you must. I know that's two words, but to indicate that there's force and you must do it this way because I said so or because or if you don't, I'm going to hit you. Uh, that's my least favorite word. I get a lot of horses in training that have been hit um, they come off the track and they haven't had the greatest trainers or people around them or they did and they've been claimed a hundred times, you know, and they go all the way down. And one of the first things I do with every horse that comes is I look at them, I hold their halter and I rub them on the head and I tell them, nobody is going to say, you must or I'll hurt you here. It's not going to happen. That's the message. Yeah. What turns you on spiritually or creatively um, or emotionally? I think uh, what turns me on creatively is nature. And uh, I love the hills. I love the canyons, the rivers, the creeks, um, the sound of the wind going through those trees. I think I think better and I organize my mind better in the presence of pure on nature. Um, I know that sounds funny, but... Um, uh, not at all. That's a fantastic answer. Yeah, I, I really believe that when I'm, when I'm not sure of something, uh, 
Um, I go to nature. I could tell you a quick story on that if you wanted me to, but it's why do horses go faster when you go... And they do go faster when you do that because it's the sound of breaking twigs. And I told a person uh, that was a student here, just do it because they go faster. I don't know why it works. Why do you kiss or cluck? Yeah. And the, the student said, you said you would never tell us to just do something because it works, that you would explain everything that you tell us to do. And I felt two inches tall. And that night, I spent the night uh, in nature trying to figure out what I, what I said. And the next day, I took some twigs into the round pen. And I said, what makes a horse go faster? And I snapped the twigs. And it sounds exactly like... <coughs> and that's why horses go faster. Yeah. So that has become... Because that's a predator stalking them, coming Predator them stalking the them breaks the twigs and they flee. Um, what turns you off? What do you not, not like? Well, any, any violence, any form of force for anyone or any one animal. I mean, anyone is also animals to me, but to most people, they think that's just human. But whether it's a dog, a cat, a horse, or even a wild deer, force and demand is the worst thing in my life. What profession other than your own would you like to have attempted? Yeah, I suppose when you think about it, I, I, I attended four universities and I got two doctorates in behavioral sciences. And um, naturally I took my behavioral sciences to horses because that's how I live from the age of four onward. But um, had I not been engulfed in the horse world, it, it just helping children and families to get along better, to find ways to take violence out of their lives and force and intimidation out of their lives, um, behavioral sciences was my thing. Um, psychology, I mean, it's all, it's close to psychology, but psychology is to try to help people with their actual birthright of this is their brain and this is the way it works and so forth. And I wasn't so interested in that as I was the results of how they acted or behavioral sciences. And uh, I would have gone into human behavioral sciences if I hadn't been so involved with the horses. If heaven exists... What would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Welcome. <laughs> I think uh, welcome. I, I suppose there's a strong possibility that he'll say, you're going the other way, buddy. Um, because I'm, I'm, I've done things in my life that I'm not proud of, um, made mistakes, everybody does. Um, and I don't even know if there is a heaven um, or the other place. Um, so all I know is that I will endeavor to always do what I think is the right thing to do, and I will endeavor to be fair in every way that I can with people. And I think, I've, for the most part, I've been successful in that, um, and I think this farm is an example of that.
I, I feel like these are going to be, I, I've had to skip around a little bit because I feel like some of these might be a little triggering for you, but um, let's start with what sound or noise do you love? I, I think my favorite sound without any question is nature at work. That is the wind in the trees, the river rippling by. I don't like highways as much, you know, as a river. I don't like modern things as much as I do nature in its rawest form. Um, the sound of nature, and there are sounds. I mean, the birds in the trees, the wind going through, the animals that might be making sounds, even the people that are making sounds in the presence of pure nature is my favorite sound. What is a sound or a noise that you hate? The sound of a whip. Uh, yeah, the sound of a whip, which I hear virtually every night of my life. I, I don't know how to ever get rid of it. But my father would grab anything that was a weapon. Polo mallets, shovel handles, or whips, uh, a garden hose. It, it didn't matter. Even the sound of a fist is a horrible sound for me. And he had us boxing uh, when we were young, trying to, I don't know, teach us to box, busting boxing gloves for us. And it was the last thing in the world I wanted to do was to hit anybody or to... I wanted to get away from his violence the best way I could because I began to learn through my education that it's inherited violence. And you, I wanted to be violent at times, to overcome the violence with violence. It's a natural tendency. And I was way too violent. I played American football. And for a while, I mean, it made me feel good to really wipe a guy out, you know? And then you get to thinking about it, and it's so negative. I don't mind watching a football game now, and it's it's all great. I, I, I don't mean that football is some felony that people are committing. I don't want to say that. But the sound of a whip uh, courses through my mind so much because I heard it so much. And uh, in 1981, I had a... The first CAT scan and MRI came to Southern California and I went in because I was paralyzed from the waist down and it turned out that I had four or five segments of my lower spine jamming together and shutting the nerves down. And um, those people that were inventing the machine and putting it together there, they, they were there, not doctors, but these engineer-type guys, young guys, came out and said, what the hell have you done to this body? And they told me that they, with an MRI, they could read how old I was when I broke this bone and that bone. And they said they counted 72 prepubescent fractures in my body. And... Um, I had no idea how many fractures I had. They sent me to my grandmother's to recover from those things because I had stunts to do. Uh, 
two weeks time, three weeks time would heal most bones. I'm, I'm paying the price now for mm -hmm. that. At 86 years of age, I have no right shoulder, I have no left hip, I, it's pain constantly. And a lot of things are going wrong with me because of the sound of whips and clubs. And um, yeah, I, I, I need to stop and think about violence and what it brings to people. And I decided to try to change the world of violence toward horses. To, to end this, we'll end on a, a happy one. Um, I would love to know what horse memory always makes you smile. I have so many horse memories that make me smile. So many. That it's impossible for me to put Shy Boy second to anybody. At five o'clock in the morning, 24 hours after he was parted from the wild horses, Shy Boy locked on to me. Riding another horse, he would come to me and stay with me and follow me. How are you failing to smile when that worked? When I hadn't done it since I was 15. And there's 80,000 US dollars being spent or 80,000 pounds being spent on this project to have him do join up and allow a saddle and a rider in the wild. And it's going to work. There's just no way. I wanted to get off and just do a dance and <laughs> swing my arms around and yippee, you know. And uh, that might have chased him away, but He's still with me today, and um, that would make me smile. To watch Lomitas go in the starting stall, which he was scheduled to be put down because he wouldn't go in a starting stall at the races, and to watch him go in and race and win, and then put together a legacy of breeding after that that he would have been dead for, and have his family earnings amount to more than $50 million. Ooh, that makes big smiles come over my face. Prince of Darkness in England, when he stopped fighting the starting stalls and won races, that was a big smile. Um, to see Pat healthy and riding and winning championships in the saddle, when I married Pat, she, she loved horses and she would, could ride, but not in competition at all. And she went through life in competition on a Western pleasure mare. And I smiled when she won championships. And then she put the saddle down for 40 years and taught the kids to ride and started her artwork, which is here in this house with us. That would make you smile. And then we had a horse that got hurt and she nursed him back to good health and put the Western saddle on him at a very ripe old age and got on and 
won a $5,000 saddle in working cow horse competition. That'll make you smile. Our lives have been so miraculous that there's just so many ways to describe what has created this band of miracles that nobody has the right to earn. And I don't know, I, I think God's up there, you know, uh, creating a lot of this because I don't think I was able physically to do what I've done. When the queen wanted to meet me, she had her horse manager call a friend of his, and that friend lived six miles from me. Go figure that one out. Lived six miles from me. And came here and said, the queen wants to meet you. Sure, she does. And I thought it was a joke. They were going to play a joke on me. And they came here with a tiny guy all dressed in suit and tie and a white mustache and everything with an English accent. And I told Pat, they've hired him right out of central casting. <laughs> it's a joke. And it was Sir John Miller, equerry to the queen, number one position with her private horses. What? Think of how you smile at something like that. The pictures on the wall will find me smiling a lot with Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Um, I could sit here for days telling you about things that would cause me to smile, but um, we won't take that long. But those, those are some of the upper-level ones. Well, thank you so much for having me in the house and having me be a part of all the things here and helping me make it from a girl on a Mustang who's running away with her to a certified instructor and training racehorses. I'm, I'm, I'm so pleased to be a part of your legacy and uh, thank well, you you're for much helping as, me. You're as much a gift to us as we've been for you. So it works both ways and... Uh, Just think about my life if I, how it wouldn't be nearly as good as it is if I failed to get you where you are. So I, I'm proud that I helped you get there, but you did it, and we're proud of you for it. Well, thank you guys, and thank you to Debbie, and thank you to Pat, and thanks to all of the staff here at Flags Up Farm that's always very welcoming and helpful, and nice job. I'm okay. going give you a hug. Okay. That's a wrap.